Well, good evening and welcome to eChat. I'm so glad that you have joined us tonight and we're excited about another special evening with a good friend of ours, evangelist Mike Easter. You're going to be so blessed as we kick off this week and we talk about being an e-witness or being a, a person that evangelizes our neighborhoods and our friends, and our co-workers, and a person who really does speak about what the Lord has done. Well, there's nothing more powerful than our own personal testimony. And I'm so glad that you have joined us tonight. We encourage you to write your questions and to submit them. You can do it by Facebook. You can do it uh, through the website and just submit whatever questions you have. And we're going to be talking to Brother Easter about how he was saved, how he came to the Lord. He's got a powerful testimony. And so we want you to just join. I see where uh, some of you are already joining. We welcome uh, Barbara Baisden and, and Jerry Kay and Pamela Leisure and, and Raymond Kaysen and Larry Garcia and uh, Brother Murray and Brian uh, Mercer and Karen and Stephen and Jerry Scott and Mary Moore and Delano and Eric. We're so glad all of you are joining. We just encourage you to gather around and have a conversation with us tonight as we talk to our good friend, Brother Mike Easter. First of all, Brother Easter, let me just ask you, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, very well. God has been blessing us. And uh, of course, you know, I haven't been doing any traveling in the last month, but I've been, been pretty busy around the house. <laughs> Sister Easter keeping you busy? Oh man, I, I'm spoiling her. <laughs> Well, now, uh, if in case somebody is not aware of your ministry, you've been an evangelist for how long? Well, this past March um, was uh, my um, 20th year anniversary. Wow. Yeah, 20 years. Went by pretty fast. In that 20 years, are you normally on the road every week? Oh, uh, yeah. It's, I mean, and, and that's, a, that's an amazing blessing to be so busy and so consistently. In the last couple of years, I've even had to purposely schedule time to be home on some weekends like birthdays or anniversaries or special days so god has just blessed me tremendously well i have to tell you from a pastor viewpoint you're an excellent evangelist you always bless our church you always strengthen the hands of the leadership you bless the congregation and and there's always people that get saved and we always look forward to when you can come and be with us down here in palm bay Oh, I love, I love coming down there. God's been good. Well, Brother Easter, I know a little bit about it, but I just want you to share a little bit about how you first came to the Lord. I've always been so impressed with your personal testimony and how the Lord saved you. You weren't raised in church. You weren't raised in a minister's home. And, and, and yet the Lord has done such an incredible work in your life. Tell us a little bit about how you first came to the Lord. Well, um, be before I get right into that, can I share a verse of scripture with Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Yeah, because because when I read this verse of scripture, Pastor, I, I tell you what, it, it it it's it's so amazing to me because it it feels like I wrote it myself. <clears throat> it's from First Timothy chapter one, <clears throat> beginning of verse number twelve, and <clears throat> it's Paul's testimony, but it's so much like mine. And this is how he starts in First Timothy one and verse twelve. He says, "And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord." Mm who hath enabled me yes. for that he counted me worthy, putting me into the ministry. <laughs> that blows my mind. God did it. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious and a whole bunch of other stuff you don't want to know about. <laughs> but I obtained mercy. Mercy. Oh, hallelujah. Because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Now he goes on to say, this is a faithful saying, and this is worthy of all acceptation. This, what I'm about to tell you, is good for everybody. And that is this, <clears throat> that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I was the chief of all. Yes. And then one more verse. He says, how be it for this cause, I obtain mercy. This pastor is the reason God did it for me. That in me first, 
Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Wow. Oh, I tell you, Pastor, that that tells my story right there in the word of God. Wow. God did it in me first. I was the only one in my family that was brought to this incredible, marvelous truth. We grew up um we grew up uh, in, in in Newport News, Virginia, and uh, in, a, in a little uh, kind of uh, middle, low-income area. We was a close-knit family. My dad worked in the shipyard. I had three sisters. And my mom, she was uh, a dedicated Jehovah's Witness. And in those early years, we all went to the Kingdom Hall. <laughs> and uh, I remember having we were having Bible studies, um, you know, knocking on doors and no birthdays, no Christmas, no saluting the flag, all of that stuff. And uh, and that's how we grew up. That was our background until I you know, became a, a teenager. And then in my teen years, I kind of uh, got a little tired of it and outgrew it some. And and I said, Mom, I just I just got to get out. I just got to mm-hmm. explore things. And but I promise you one day I'll, I'll come back. I just need a little freedom. And she said, well, son, you got to make up your own mind. And so I, I stopped going to the Kingdom Hall and I started going out with my friends and partying. And, you know, and I was just a, I was just an average, lucky, you know, just living every day. Fun guy. I, I never wanted to hurt nobody. I never wanted to be hurt. All I wanted to do was have a good time and have a lot of friends. And I got to hanging out with my, my friends and we'd go to parties and clubs. And that was what my life was all about. In fact, I was a, believe it or not, I was a DJ. You might have remember hearing me telling you about that. <laughs> I was DJing at nightclubs. Oh, my goodness. When I look back at those days now, I can't hardly believe. But it was all fun, yeah. everything. I mean, the music, the girls, the parties, and, and even the drugs. You know, and it wasn't like it is today. Back in those days, it was all about just having fun. And the Lord was the last thing on my mind. As a matter of fact, I thought going to church was for old people. <laughs> I thought going to church was for folks that was ready to retire and get ready for heaven. And I had a lot more living to do before I thought about going to any church. But, you know, God God watched over me and protected me even from myself. I mean, I've never been to jail. Uh, I've never had any kids out of wedlock. I mean, I look back and I say, God, that's a miracle in itself. Right. When I think about all my other friends and how their lives had gone. But all the time, God had his hand on me, and I didn't even know it. But, you know, uh, the change came. What happened was one particular summer, I believe it was in 19, 1981. And, uh, wow, that's a long time ago. <laughs> Man. That was the year I graduated from high school. (laughs) Yes. In 1981, um, that summer, um, there was three deaths that that uh, that happened that affected me greatly. And death death has a way of of waking you up, you know. And uh, there was an, an elderly lady that was very sick. She lived in our neighborhood and she was such a sweet lady. And then a few weeks after her, a young girl, 19 years old, she was one of the girls that hung out in our little group of friends, which made it really personal to me. And she was killed in a car accident. And uh, I had never been that close to someone Mm. that that suddenly just died. And I was at her funeral. And, uh, of course, I was high. And just, you know, trying to deal with it. That's the way I dealt with things back then, just get high. And I was at that funeral, and I was looking at her and her coffin. And reality, reality set in. And I, and I was looking at her, Pastor, and I got to thinking, you know, just a few weeks ago, she was, she was lively and beautiful and, you know, no cares in all the world. And now all of a sudden, she's dead. And reality was like, you know, death is real. Right. And, you know, what's going to happen to you after you die? 
And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, wow, what, what is it like for her now? Where, where is she? Right. What is she experiencing? You know, no one that I know have died and come back and tell a story. Right. But I'm thinking, man, if death is real and eternity is real, then heaven has got to be real and hell has got to be real. And I sure don't want to go there. And I started thinking about eternity more and more. And uh, it really scared me. But about a month later, toward the end of the summer, this friend of mine, uh, her son, three years old, just the cutest little guy, got loose running around the neighborhood chasing little kids. They went across the street to a neighbor's yard, ran around the neighbor's pool in the backyard. He fell in. And the little kids didn't know what to do. They went screaming, running for help. But by the time someone got there, the little guy was gone. And there I was at another funeral just that fast. Wow. An elderly lady, a girl in the prime of her life, and a little three-year-old boy. And that told me that death is no respecter of persons. Right. It will come at any time in your life. And it will come in most unexpected ways. And all of a sudden, Pastor, I felt my mortality. I felt like tomorrow is not promised. And this whole thing about God and salvation and heaven is not something you can just put off right. and gamble with. And uh, fear, fear came upon me. I, I was scared because all of a sudden I realized I don't know when my next breath is going to come from. And I felt like, you know, I need to get close to God. I need to really seriously start to get my life together. And I really need to find me a church. And that's where the journey started as I began to explore. And, and actually, it was the Lord pulling on me. And I didn't know it at the time, but that's what, what was happening. So, you know, I would go home and I would talk to the Lord. And I said, well, God, I'm going to go to church. I'm not going to the Kingdom Hall. I didn't want to go back there. Right. But the only other people I knew, other than Jehovah Witnesses, were good old Baptist people. And so I said, well, I'm going to go to the neighborhood Baptist church. How, and I went. how old were you then, Brother Easter? I was, I was 25. 25. I was an old man. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was 25 years old. Okay. And... Uh, so I went to visit um, the Neighborhood Baptist Church. Uh, I didn't know anything about the Bible, really. I didn't know nothing about church. But I, it was a good feeling. It was like, man, you're doing something good. Yeah. You know, you ought to be proud of yourself. This is wonderful. And it was, the, you know, the organ plan, the choir, the pastor with the robe on. And, oh, man, I'm like, I went to church today. And it was a good feeling. But that's all it was. It was just a good feeling. And by the end of the week, I was back at the party and I'm back at the clubs and getting high and drinking. But I went to church on Sunday, just like so many people were doing. Yeah. Going to church and going to parties, going to church and smoking, going to church, life not changed. And so I visited all kinds of different churches and trying to find where I felt comfortable. And uh, finally, you know, the more I went to church and the more I went to the nightclubs, the more I saw church people in the nightclubs. <laughs> I'm like, what's the deal? Yeah. You know, I thought I thought when, when you get saved, your life is changed. Yeah. But I was seeing all these people going to church with unchanged lives. And I'm and I wasn't even a Christian. But I knew that was that wasn't right. Right. And I said, God, there's gotta be something more than this. I mean, the people in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, all these people, their lives were drastically changed. And I said, God, is, is there a church that believed that? Oh yeah. Because I don't know where it is. But God, if you know, then you're gonna have to bring that church to me. Right. That's when I decided, you know, I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to be visiting no more churches. I'm just going to come home. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to just wait on the Lord to bring the right church to me. And Pastor, you need you, you better be careful what you ask for. Yeah. <laughs> because I tell you, 
God did it. Yeah. God did it. I did, lived at in that a room. point. Did it make you feel like that maybe Christians were hypocritical and and that church was not the answer? Yeah, yeah. I, I felt really strong about that. I felt like something wasn't right. But it was weird because it was everywhere I looked. Yeah. It was in all churches. And so much traditional stuff. So I just like, well, God, you know, if there's a church that's in the that's like in the Bible, right. you have to bring that to me. Gotcha. And living in a rooming house in downtown Newport News. My room, I, li I, I lived there because it was walking distance to the shipyard where, where I worked full time. The rooming house charged $20 a week. Wow. I said to myself, that's a good deal. <laughs> yeah. But let me tell you something. You don't ever want to live anywhere for $20 a week. <laughs> I, you got you, what you paid for? <laughs> oh, brother, what are you talking about? In spades. Yeah. All kinds of weird stuff was happening in the rooming houses and, and all kinds of people was living in those places. And I'm like, oh, my word, the guy next door to me, uh, he had so many girlfriends. And uh, and, you know, late at night when I would come in from from the clubs and stuff, man, two, three o'clock in the morning, the walls were paper thin. And that was my entertainment. I'd be up listening with my ear to the wall. Crazy. But as it happened, he moved out. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, boy, what kind of freak going to be moving in now? Yeah. One night I came in from the club. I, it was a Saturday night. I came in from the nightclub. I was drenched. I was tired. It, it was like 1 o'clock in the morning. I stretched out across my bed, getting ready to go to sleep, just laying there when I heard some some noise from next door. And I thought, oh, somebody new has moved in. And there's something happening because I hear some noise. So I eased up out my bed, walked over to the wall, <laughs> put my ear to the wall, and I started listening. And I heard, hallelujah. Whoa. I wasn't expecting that. I put my ear back to the wall and pastor, the guy next door was praying like I never heard nobody pray. He was interceding and it was from the deep depths of his heart. And I'm thinking at one o'clock in the morning, who prays like that? And I thought about saying, you know what? I need to watch this guy because he's one of those freaky Jesus guys, you know, <laughs> man. So, a few days later, I was in the kitchen. He came out the room, and I saw him, and I was like, oh, that's that guy. And uh, not long after that, he came knocking on my door, <laughs> introduced himself, and he said, hey, man, uh, I'm your neighbor next door. I said, yeah, 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 I know. I heard you. He said, well, if you got a few minutes, I want to I talk to you about something. I, I looked, and I saw he had a Bible in his hand. I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. And he sat down and started talking to me about Jesus. And I was being polite, but to be honest with you, I, I was bored because I didn't feel no connection with this guy. Yeah. Until he got wise and realized he put his Bible down. He said, I'll be right back. He went next door and he came back with a guitar. And I'm like, what is this? He said, I look, he said, I looked around your room and I noticed you got posters and you got stereo equipment and all these record albums. I see you like music. I said, yeah. He said, well, I play a guitar. Do you play any instruments? And we got to talk about music and artists and all these things, things that I was interested in. Yeah. And we started connecting. Actually, he was getting me comfortable. Yeah. Then he said, hold on a second. I'll be right back. He went back next door, came back with a photo album, laid it on the table, opened it up and said, Look at these pictures and see if you can find me. And when I went to look at those photographs, I skipped all over these pictures, could not find him because he was clean cut. I mean, he looked pure. He, like he was born with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I'm like, and, and the pictures was of a, uh, like a game, yeah. uh, a game party. And guys was drinking and looking crazy and all drugged up. And I said, you are in these pictures. Shouldn't be hard to find you. 
But I looked and looked and couldn't find him. And I said, where are you in these pictures? And he flipped to a picture of a guy holding up a bottle of Jack Daniels. <laughs> eyes bloodshot red, looking hair all over his head. And I said, no, don't tell me. He said, that's me. I said, no, that's not you. He said, that's me. I said, man, you drink? He said, man, I drank this. I drank that. I drank. I said, did you do drugs? Man, I smoked this. I took that pill. I took. He was worse than I was. And I said, how long ago did you take these pictures? And he told me six months ago. And I looked at him. I said, you mean to tell me in six months you changed from this to a guy that can pray like you pray at one o'clock in the morning? And he started laughing. He said, yeah, man. He said, let me show you something in the Bible. He said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. I said, that's in the Bible? He said, yeah, not only that, let me show you this. And you shall receive power, power. after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I said, oh, my goodness, all these places I've been, all these churches I've been to, no one ever told me anything like this. No one ever explained that this was possible. And here I am looking at a person that actually experienced it. I said, bro, what church you go to? <laughs> he said, I go to an apostolic Pentecostal church. Wow. I said, Pentecostal what? I had never heard of that before. I said, but you know what? I don't care. I don't care. I need what you got. I need your experience. I don't care the name of your church. I don't care the color of your skin. Take me to your leader. Wow. <laughs> and bro, that's what he did. A uh, couple of days later, he, he, he was teaching me a home Bible study, exploring God's word, home Bible study. Yeah. I, I was so hungry. I was like, show me, teach me. Help me to understand. I was so hungry. And he began to explain repentance, which means a, a, a commitment for life. It's not a one-time emotional deal. Man, when you repent of your sins, you are making a stand to turn away from your old lifestyle yes. and come to God. I said, bro, I need God more than ever in my life. I'm so tired of the clubs. I'm tired of the phoniness. I, I'm tired of where my life is headed. I need a change. I want what you got. He said, well, I want you to come to my church. Now, that's when the devil started moving in. Yeah. Because I started getting invitations to play some of the biggest clubs in town. Clubs that wouldn't recognize me, wouldn't pay me a dime a, dime a day. And now all of a sudden, these nightclubs are asking for me to come. Yeah. <laughs> that's how the devil works. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, whoa. So a little time got, and I'm struggling and the enemy kept, kept, kept making me hesitate going to church mm -hmm. to find I just got tired of it. And I said, you know what, God, I, I, I know I've, I'm, I'm making this decision to come towards you, but I'm, I'm struggling. I said, Lord, I'm going to give myself a deadline. Mm -hmm. And my deadline is my birthday. My birthday is going to be in, a, in just a few weeks. And I said, God, if you would allow me to see my birthday, November 3, God, I want to be born again on my birthday. On your birthday. And I want to give myself to you as a birthday present. Wow. Help me to get to my birthday. And I tell you, the Holy Ghost was on me. God's spirit was with me. I was praying like I never prayed on the job, in my car. I was still getting high, but I was praying. Yeah, <laughs> but that you, you know, had your heart right, but you still had your old habits. Yeah, but you know what? I, I tried to stop. I yeah. tried to stop, but that's when I recognized I couldn't stop. I was actually addicted, and and, and that's that's one of the tricks of the devil. You always make you feel like you're in control. Right. You can quit when you want, but when I tried, I couldn't. So I said, "Well, God, if you just let me see my birthday." And that day came, November 3rd. My birthday, was a, it was a, a Tuesday night, no church service, <laughs> and uh, nothing special going on. And I came home from work, 
And I kept thinking about it and seeing like every obstacle got in my path. Even the guy next door wasn't even home. And I didn't know where the church was. And I'm like, God, this is supposed to be the day. This was it. If it doesn't happen today, God, I'm just going to hang it up. It's not going to happen. Right. And it was about 11 o'clock that night when the, uh, the fella next door uh, came in this room. And he walked over to my room, knocked on my door. He said, hey, it's your birthday. I was so down. And he said, what's wrong? I said, you know what time it is? It's 11.15. At midnight, my birthday will be over. And after midnight, midnight, I'm not not doing doing this no more. He looked at me. He said, well, I don't see no ropes on you. I don't see no chains on you. What's holding you back? I said, what's holding me back? I don't know. He said, well, come on then. I said, come on what? He said, let's go to the church. I said, it's 11 o'clock. He said, bro, when you're ready, God is ready. Wow. When you're ready, the church is ready. Yeah. Are you ready? I said, man, I'm ready. I'm ready. Man, we took off. We got to the church. I said, we got to get there before midnight. <laughs> I felt like Cinderella. <laughs> Gotta get there before midnight. Right. We hurried down the boulevard to the church. Got there. It was, you know, Pastor Jack Cunningham. Um, he was brand new pastor. It was it was a home missions church. We call it a home missions then. It only been there about nine months. And uh it was just a, a small little church. And he had built a little apartment on the back of the church. So we ran around the back of the church, all the lights were out, we knocking on the doors. And uh, this little guy opened the door, you know, who is it? And, my, and the guy said, I got one. <laughs> got one. A live one. <laughs> and, like, like going fishing, you know, yeah, I got yeah. one. And he opened the door and, and we came in. He said, where's the pastor? Well, uh, he's not here right now. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. He said, don't worry. Don't worry. He said, get him on the phone and tell him we got somebody here that needs to be baptized before midnight. And Brother Cunningham got the call. Whatever he was doing, he dropped everything. He got to the church. It was 1145. <laughs> 11.45. He looked at me. He said, young man, said, uh, you've never v- visited our church before? I said, no. He said, you never heard, heard a sermon preached? I said, no. He said, but what is it that make you feel like you want to give your life to God? I said, Pastor. All I know is all my life, God has been so good to me. Mm. And I feel like I owe him everything. And I want to give my life to the Lord. I need a new start. He said, do you know what repentance is? I said, yes, sir. It's a change of heart. It's a change of attitude. It's a complete decision to go toward God and leave the world behind you. He said, you ready to do that? I said, I'm ready, sir. He said, well, are you going to be baptized tonight? And we're going to baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. He said, Mike Easter, let me tell you something, young man. When you go in that water, this baptism is not like anything you've ever experienced before. Because we're going to take the old Mike Easter and we're going to bury you in that water. And old things going to be passed away. Young man, when you come up out of that water, it's going to be a new life. All your sins going to be washed away. Man, my heart was beating so fast. I'm thinking, is this really true? <laughs> Man, we went into that sanctuary. They turned the church lights on. The baptistry was full of water, ice cold water. <laughs> but man, I didn't care about how cold it was. Right. All I knew was the old me was dying and a brand new me was going to be coming up. Praise God. And I stood there in that water and he laid his hands on me. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. He laid his hands on me and he said, I remember his words. He said, Mike Easter, upon the confession of your faith and your willingness to be identified with the Lord's death, burial and resurrection, I now baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you now receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he put me down in that water. The water wasn't cold anymore. Uh-uh. He brought me up out of that water. Yes. Who, Pastor, 
it was a clean a cleansing yeah deep inside of me i was like i was breathing fresh air yeah and, and i'm drenching wet but i felt so close to god and i'm just lifted my hands and people were around me praying i, I don't know where folks came from somebody made a phone call <laughs> we got one yeah people came from everywhere wow. and they ran and I was like, oh my goodness, this is awesome. And I just was, I just felt so close to God. It, it was a miracle. It was real. And I felt such a, a cleansing that I could never describe. But you know the thing that was greater to me than, than even my sins being washed away, because I was still new to all of that. But the thing that really hit me most of all was God had instantly completely delivered me from my addiction. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. He took it away. Yeah. It was, I had no cravings. I had no desire. I didn't even think about it for, for a couple of weeks. Right. But it was gone. And that's the, that's the power. That's the power of the blood. When you call the name, yes. the comes and brings remission and deliverance and, oh, my, my, my. Wow. Praying and praying for me, and I, I was just so hyped and so into this thing. Yeah, I, I was on a high. Nothing like any drugs, better <laughs> <laughs> than that. Yeah, but uh, that was on a Tuesday night. That Sunday, I brought a friend with me, one of my partying buddies, and he couldn't believe it. He said, "Man, I don't believe it, man. I'm going with you to church Sunday." <laughs> <laughs> he went he went to check it out, right? To check it out. <laughs> he came with me to church that first Sunday, my first Sunday in a Pentecostal church. Bro, it was amazing. We only had a handful of people, but Brother Cunningham preached like it was packed to the hill. And I could feel it. I could feel it when he was preaching. He was hitting me. I'm like, my, this is awesome. At the end of the sermon, my friend got overcome with it. I mean, he was just rocking back and forth. Next thing you know, he jumped up screaming, ran down the center aisle. And I'm like, what in the world? Folks <laughs> <laughs> got to praying with him to receive the Holy Ghost. Yeah. I didn't I didn't know a whole lot about the Holy Ghost. I just heard about it. But, you know, being a, a new member, I figured that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go down front and pray with people. So I watched everybody and went down there and started praying for my buddy to receive the Holy Ghost, and nobody prayed for me, but I was just in the mix. <clears throat> and while I was praying for my friend, the Holy Ghost came on me. God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I began speaking in tongues, jumping around, dancing, rejoicing. Uh, it was just amazing. Oh. Everything was so new. It, I was new. The church was new. The pastor was new. The doctrine was new. It was just absolutely amazing wow and, and i was I, i'm still high yeah <laughs> i'm still it was so transforming so exciting yeah and and, and i just say lord keep that fire oh, burning oh, yes yes and it's been burning for well you do the you do the 1981 <laughs> a few years ago we are yes. talking with uh, mike easter evangelist mike easter and he is sharing his testimony of how he came to the Lord in uh, 1981. And uh, we're so glad for all of you that are uh, joining here tonight. And uh, if you got any questions or anything at all we can do to uh, just uh, create an interactive and informative, inspiring uh, experience for you uh, to be able to connect with our guests, uh, that's what we want to do. We're so glad for all of you that are joining. We give a shout out to Jerry Kay, Jania. Damaris, Hank Bud, Beatrice, uh, Brother Richard Jenkins, and uh, Barbara Bennett, Brother and Sister McClary, and uh, Shelby Brooke Martin Johnson, and uh, Kimberly Cheney, and Stacy Jones, and Donna Graber, and Shelly Brooke, and all of you that are that are joining, uh, just uh, join in. If you've got any questions at all, just let us know, and uh, we'll make sure we uh, we get some questions asked of our our guest that's here. And I know that you'll be blessed. Uh, Brother uh, Easter, tell us a little bit about 
when you first came to the Lord, after you got the Holy Ghost and you got baptized, what was the experience like as a, as a newborn Christian? In other words, you still had those friends, you still had, I'm sure, some of the things that were out there that were still a part of your, your everyday life, your everyday routine. And, and what was it like those, those, the first six weeks? It seems like when a person comes to the Lord, those first six weeks are the, are the most crucial times. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, I agree. Um, <clears throat> it was, uh, I, I, I was so excited about my experience and um, I wanted everybody to, to experience what I experienced. But all my friends, and, and they, they didn't understand because all they knew about church was what I experienced previously. Uh-huh. Going to church, nothing changed. And they kind of expected me to be that way, but it was totally different. Right. Um, some of my friends were looking at me like, man, you really serious? I mean, you changing too fast. Um, you mean to tell me you, you, you're not going to be chasing the girls no more? That's not you? Uh, you don't drink beer? It's nothing wrong with drinking beer. I mean, it, it was all these type of things. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I just had a, a love for them. And I said, you, you just don't understand. You've got to come experience this uh, for yourself. Now, uh, right away, uh, I, I had some contracts uh, DJing. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I had to fulfill some of those. Yeah. And I felt God was, and God is, he was so patient with me. So wonderful. And, you know, some things just did get cut off right away. And, uh, and God, but God was merciful. In fact, when I would do some of the, uh, some of those dances, I, I found myself praying <laughs> before the, before the dances got started. Yeah. You know? I mean, just weird stuff. But, God was weaning me off of it. Ah. The more I learned about God, the more I prayed and was, the more the Holy Ghost stirred up, the less attractive these things became. And the things I used to be so crazy about, I didn't like it no more. Right. And I began to see it for really what it was. <clears throat> and so um, the change began to happen yeah. in, in the first six weeks. I, I, it was important. I, I really didn't know all this was going on, but it was the right thing to do. And that was, I was at the church. I never missed church. And, and I made it, I made a decision. I'm not going to miss a service. Yeah. In fact, sometimes I was at church where there was no service, but I was around the church. I was reading my Bible. Um, my, my new brother next door, um, he was, he was teaching me Bible studies. I had lots of questions and I took notes. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I tell you, that's one of the things. When you early starting oh, yeah, out, yeah. especially someone like me, I didn't yeah. know people in the Bible, I didn't know anything, but I was had a pencil and a pad, I'm writing notes, and I'm looking in the back of Bibles, and I'm trying to read as much as I can, and that just ignited mm-hmm. a desire in me nice, that um, I didn't let anything get, get in between. Yeah. So, you know, I was just like a little baby, just thirsty for the milk, yeah. and I was just hungry for the milk. That's awesome. But things began to change. Um, you know, the contracts, um, what ended up happening, I went to a, a youth retreat, and one of the classes they had there was on music. Yeah. And here I am, a DJ, and I'm thinking, now, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> and, and the teacher began to teach about the influence of music and how music is spiritual and how Satan has used music to draw people away from God. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, wow. And I was involved in all of this stuff. And I learned so much about music and its influence Mm. from generation to generation. So as I learned and began to grow, the more I did not want to have to do with the world. Right. And, And so... You know, my friends were watching me. Everybody was watching me. It turned out to be a good thing. Yeah. When I knew people was watching me, it kept me on my toes. Yeah. And, you know, too, one of the things that may have been a big part, because you loved music, your your life was music. And you know how it is when you come to the Lord, you get tested as to what your one true love is going to be, what your master passion is going to be. And yeah. uh, it seems like whatever that is before, there comes a time and a crossroads when you got to decide, do I love this more than God? Or do I love the yeah. Lord more than that? So yeah. that's that's I, neat. I, I remember I remember uh, one of the one of the things that happened 
was I came home from work one day and I walked in my room and I would go in my room and, and begin to worship and praise and I and I could feel God's presence come in. And I remember one occasion I said, Lord, this is so wonderful. I've been waiting all day to feel your presence. And I said, God, I don't want to, I don't want to do this no more. I, I don't want to come in and worship your presence now. I want to walk in right into your presence. Yeah. And the Lord said to me, You want me to be your roommate? <laughs> I said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he said, well, clean up your room. Wow. To clean up my room. Yeah. So I looked around my room and, you know, I'm a bachelor, single man. It was a little junky. I tied it up a little bit. I said, how's that, Lord? He said, no, clean up your room. And I'm like, and I looked around my room and I had posters on the wall and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, man, I didn't even think about this. I, okay, God, I'm getting rid of this stuff. And I started getting rid of different things. And then I came to my record album collection, which yeah. was extensive. Yeah. And I looked at my record album collection and I said, oh, no. That was your Not. pride and joy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's actually an idol. Yeah. I didn't know it, but it was an idol. I worshiped my music mm. and I had, I took very good care of it. And I had old stuff, new stuff, some of it was duplicated. And I loved it. And I, my eyes focused on my music. And God said, clean up your room. Wow. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Not my music. And that's, that's when the scripture says, except you pick up your cross mm. and follow me, you're not worthy. And I said, oh, man, I got I to gotta get rid of all my music. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, so I started going through the records. You know, I didn't want to get rid of everything at right. once. <laughs> yeah. I was taking the real raunchy stuff first. Yeah, right, right. And God was like, no, no, no. I want all. I want it all. I said, oh, my. Oh. <laughs> I said, God. And then I just grabbed a big green garbage bag, dumped all my albums in it, all my cassettes. I gave all my, my DJ equipment away. That wasn't even necessary. Right. But I gave it all away. I mean, it was just gung ho. You were willing and to I gave sell it all out. Away. Yeah. Totally. It hurt. Yeah. It because it 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 was it meant so much the memories and all that nostalgia and what it meant to me. But God paid me back yeah, tenfold. Absolutely. It's like whatever you give up for the Lord, God always keeps good books and gives you back so much more. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the payback was more spiritual. Yeah. Because now when I went to my room, I didn't have my music. I didn't have my TV. I didn't have none of these things. And I'm sitting on the edge of my bed, kind of like, what else do you want me to do? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then I looked down at my Bible and I reached over and picked it up. And when I opened up my Bible, Pastor, I'll tell you what, the word came alive. Wow. I looked at it and I was like, Wow, I see it. I understand it. Yes. And it just opened up, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. It, it, it had never been the same again. Wow. I learned so much so fast. God would speak to me and work with me. And I'll tell you what, man, it was worth all of that stuff. Wow. We've got some questions, Brother Easter, that's coming in online. Uh, Kevin okay. asked, how long were you saved before you started preaching? Actually, day one. <laughs> no, because preaching is not just something you do behind a pulpit. Right. Uh, the Bible says you are an open book being read of all men. I mean, as soon as I got saved, I was sharing the gospel. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't something that I was trying to do. It was natural. Yeah. It was just something I felt I wanted to share with people. That's really what preaching is. Yeah. Everyone is called to preach in that respect. Right. But I know what you're talking about, though, um, as far as, you know, getting pulpit time or getting involved in the ministry. I believe it was probably about three years. Three years. Three years. Because, um, you know, I had to learn. I had to uh, adapt to this new lifestyle. I had to grow yeah. and drink milk and then baby food and then the meat. Yeah. But in the meantime, I was bringing people to church. Oh, yeah. And pastor noticed my 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 energy. Yeah. 
in bringing people and, and sharing the word. And he, he noticed that. And then he invited me to uh, stay after church sometimes and, and, uh, and, you know, just talk with him. And then after a while, uh, he developed a ministerial training for junior, called him junior ministry training. And just kind of like introduction into ministry concepts. And so I would stay after church for classes. And, uh, and then after that, you know, uh, uh, I was involved heavily in teaching home Bible studies. And uh, in doing that, I was learning a lot about the Bible. Sure. And then, and then, you know, after a while, you know, we had youth meetings and different young guys would, you know, have about five minutes to get up and do something in the pulpit. Yeah. And that's when the calling began, began to go into effect, when the gifting mm. began to develop. Yeah. And, uh, and your gifting will follow, you know, will follow your calling. And uh, then I started uh, getting a chance to preach on a more regular basis. And then finally, uh, about the third or fourth year, I, uh, he, he approached me about getting a local license and becoming a, a junior elder on staff. So that's how that started. But um, uh, it was about three years when I first started getting into the pulpit and exercising the gift of preaching. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, Sister Beverly asked, how did uh, your family react to your conversion to the truth? Well, first, um, they were kind of happy for me. You know, everybody's kind of excited and glad that you're not running the streets anymore. Well, at least you're not in the nightclubs and yeah. running the streets. You're going to church. That's good. Until... <laughs> <laughs> until they saw I wasn't missing church for no family reunions. Mm. I was not missing church for no concerts. <clears throat> I was not missing church for any company. And it was like, wait a minute, you're going a little bit too far. You know, you know, you know, shaved off your beard, you shaved off your mustache. What is this church you go into? You don't do this no more. And nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I said, listen, our church believes in holiness separation from the world what you know so after that they started saying well you're moving too fast you're doing too much you're changing too much and we're concerned about you and you might be in a cult <laughs> in fact in fact my mom jehovah witness was telling me i was in a cult <laughs> i thought that was funny but um but after a while uh i knew it was a spiritual warfare because they tend to get, begin to get antagonistic toward me whenever I would come around. And it was my fault in a way because I was constantly preaching to them, telling yeah. them, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. Mama, you need to quit doing that. And one time I made a mistake and told my mama what she should be doing. Boy, she got mad. Boy, I raised you. You don't raise me. You know. So they kind of got up in arms against me for a moment there because, uh, you know, they felt like I thought I was Mr. Goody Two Shoes and I know everything now, and I'm trying to tell everybody what's right. And uh, so they, they got a little distant with me. But, uh, you know, it, it, it bothered me a bit, but I knew God God gave me a promise in Matthew 6, And he said, if you would seek first the kingdom, yes. his righteousness, all these other things will be added to you. Yeah, I said, okay, Lord, I received that. Yes. I'm going seek after you. I'm going to yeah. live for you. They coming along. Right. And sure enough, they ended up doing just that. How many, you, you won, you taught them Bible studies. You won a lot of your family to the Lord. Well, yeah. Um, in fact, the whole family came in, but not really because of me teaching them Bible studies. They got to the place where the hardest thing in the world was them to listen to me. Yeah. You know, the people in my own household was the hardest one to reach. Yeah. You know, I was, be, I was, being used of God to bring a lot of my friends and a lot of their friends uh, coming to the church through home Bible studies and, and soul winning um, on my job, you know, um, you know, representing God in a way that I thought would be, you know, uh, edifying the Lord. I was a super spiritual head up in the sky. Yeah. Talk me and thou and thou art, you know, and, and people kind of like gravitated to me. They said, man, you know, you, you saved, but you're different from all the other saved people. I mean, you're more down to earth, you know, because I still joke and laugh yeah. and I made them feel comfortable. Yeah. And even the ones that used to run around with me, you know, yeah. they said, you know what, Easter, you're still pretty cool. 
But I had that hook, man. Yeah. I was fishing. Yeah. Uh, and, That's uh, awesome. And God helped me to bring a lot of people to the church. Wow. Uh, Sister Rachel asks, how long were you in the church before you converted your family? Oh, probably about, I would say about four years. Um, it was not too long after I started preaching a little bit and um, about four years. And then, you know, they were watching me. Yeah. You know, everybody kind of, let's see how long this will take. Yeah. But uh, after about four years, they were pretty convinced this this is in for the long haul. Yeah. But um, you know, I just would always pray, and because it seemed like I couldn't reach them. Yeah. You know, a block, and my mom was the main one, because she was very dominant, and she was totally gung ho Jehovah Witness. Yeah. So we were butt heads, mm -hmm. scripturally. I mean, I had my Bible, she get their Bible, and we would just clash. And then when it was all over, she called my sisters up and talked about me. <laughs> <laughs> so I just felt like I didn't know what else I could do. And I just began to make it a matter of prayer. And I said, Lord, save my family. Lord, please save my family. And one night at church, God answered that prayer. It was a very unique way. And the Lord began to deal with me. Actually, he spoke to me and said, without a vision, the people perish. Mm. And, I, and I was like, without a vision, the people perish. What did that mean? And he spoke again, without a vision, your family will perish. And I said, well, my family will perish. And the Lord said, vision, can you see it? Oh. Can you visualize it? And I said, yeah. And he said, everything that you see exists because I spoke it into existence. Wow. But before I spoke it, I saw it first. Hmm. You got to see it first. Can you see it? And all of this is going on like, like time just stopped. Wow. And I said, Lord, I can see it. He said, what do you see? Hmm. I said, I see, I see my mom with her hands raised up, worshiping you in church. What else do you see? I see my dad and he's right next to her praising you. Yes. What else do you see? I said, I see my sisters <laughs> all <laughs> in the choir. <laughs> I mean, grief, man, I'm just going. Yeah. He said, do you see it? I said, I see it. He said, now do you receive it? Yeah. And I said, Lord, I receive it. He said, well, from now on, don't ask me again to save your family. From now on, thank me for saving your family. Wow, that's revelatory. And I'm like, okay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Now, from that moment, I, did, I didn't invite them anymore, mm -hmm. but I did. I would go in my mom's house and I would, I would, I would walk in the door and I, I'd greet her with, hey, Sister Easter. <laughs> she didn't like that too much, yeah. but I didn't. Get, I know something that you don't know. Speaking you know, it I, into existence. I began to worship like it was done, Pastor. Yeah. I was in church service. People just kind of moseying around, looking around. Mm -hmm. When the praise singers were singing, I stopped and I pictured my mom and dad and my sisters in church. And man, something got a hold of me and I stopped. Oh, and I said, Lord, thank you. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know when you're going to do it, but I know you're going to do it. And I thank you. And I just danced all over that place. And God saw that faith. Yes. He saw that. Wow. And I. And I worship him for it. I praise him for it. I never said another word to my family about it. Yeah. I just said, Lord, it's already done. Wow. And I'm going to tell you, in a matter of four weeks, about a month later, I come to church on a Sunday morning and I see my dad's car parked in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I'm like, what is he doing here? <laughs> but... Behind the scenes, God was moving. God was working. Behind the scenes. He had got, some, you know, the situation, pastor was calling people up on a Saturday, and he ended up calling my dad. They got to talking. I didn't know anything was going on. And he got to talking to my dad. my dad. My dad got to talking to him. Next thing you know, my dad going over to the church. I don't know nothing about it. Pastor Cunningham teaching him a Bible study. Oh, man. And then next thing you know, dad's at church. And, wow. and next thing you know, he got the Holy Ghost. He's baptized. Whoa. 
Then after that, my mom is like, what is going on? And my dad brings my older sister. Her first time in a Holy Ghost filled church, God filled her with the Holy Ghost. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, look at this. And wow. God is like, why are you surprised? Didn't I tell you I'd do it? Yeah. And then my mom felt like she had to rescue the rest of the family. So she made it a point to come visit the church to, for the purpose of showing me where I was wrong. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and she walked into the Shekinah glory of the living wow. God. And she felt the power like she never felt before. She resisted it, but she came back three more times. But a fourth visit got knocked her out. She fell down between the pews. Holy Ghost fell on her. Mom started talking in tongues. Wow. Glory. Hallelujah. She got baptized. My daddy was baptized. My sister was baptized. And I had two more sisters left. My mom told them, I don't want y'all to go to Kingdom Hall no more. Get you a one God apostolic Holy Ghost. (laughs) (laughs) All I can say was God did it, man. God did it. Just like he said he would. Just like he said he would. Wow. Yes, indeed. Man, just, just bless him. <laughs> Sister, uh, Sister Diana asked, what's the most important thing that you have learned while living for God? The most important thing is consistency, mm-hmm. I believe. Consistency. Uh, there are going to be times living for God, you're going to be up, you're going to be down, you're going to be in and out, you're going to feel victory. You're going to feel defeated. You're going to feel the spirit. And sometimes you're not going to feel anything. Mm. But you cannot walk by feelings. You got to walk by faith. You got to stay consistent. You got even when you, you feel disappointed in yourself, stay under the blood. Yes. Stay consistent and, 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 and develop disciplines. Because this is, this is warfare. It's just like joining up in the army. You know, you got to have discipline. And you got to, in the, the disciplines, you got to start early. And three things I started, and I tell everybody this, and this will help you. Number one, make your mind up. You're not going to miss church. Right. You will be faithful to the house of God. Every service you can get to, be there. Absorb the atmosphere. Absorb the word. Study and, and learn the word. That's number one. Number two, read your Bible. Don't 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 leave it for the pastor and the ministers to do all the studying. That word is for you. And God will speak to you personally through his word. I encourage people, get your Bibles, get a pen, a marker, learn how to mark in your Bible, learn how to make notes in your Bible. It makes your Bible more personal. Right. It's become your word. Right. And and and, and the third thing is pray. Right. Pray. The devil makes prayer a chore. It makes prayer something almost agonizing for some people. And I, I had to deal with that. I went through that. It was it was hard sometimes. It wasn't easy because prayer is the battle. But when you can discipline yourself to pray and learn how to pray, oh, there's an art to it. And the Lord, the, the disciples asked the Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us, yeah. And, and learn how to pray, study prayer, read books on prayer, read the prayers in the Bible, and spend that time with God. Mm. Those three main disciplines very early will keep you throughout your whole salvation experience. Wow. Brother Easter, I know we're up against the hour, but I just want to close by asking you this question. I know you've been involved in really doing a lot of witnessing, even on the Internet. And you've put things out on the Internet, and you've had Bible studies through the Internet. You've been able to witness to people through the Internet. If somebody's here watching by Internet tonight, and they're not where they need to be with God, what would you say to them? I would say that now is the time. I would say that now it is high time to wake up. You see what's going on in the world around us. This is not fabricated. This is not a fairy tale. This is not just emotion. We're talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the God of the universe. Yes. The world and the people have turned their backs on him, ignored him, have um, blasphemed him, Mm. have treated God like he doesn't even exist. And God 
in his patience have let it go on just like he's let you go on your way for so long but now hallelujah thank you lord god is calling all men mm -hmm. to come to repentance you only have two choices either believe or you don't believe either heaven or hell that's all you got right. and the time to make that decision is now the windows of opportunity are are closing in right your last chance is knocking on your door whoever you might be don't procrastinate god has given you plenty of time to turn to him yes and people are continually waiting even with this crisis we're dealing with all the whole world not just your neighborhood not just your state, your, your country, the whole world. Right. This is a God thing. God thing. And I believe God is sending out two messages. One, he's sending to the church. And he uh, is alerting the church that now we need to take him more serious than ever. Amen. These are the end times. Amen. He's coming back for a church that's looking for him. And God has seen the church get distracted and get fat and prosper. And, and have kind of lost their, their edge. This is calling the church back to the altar, back to prayer, back to looking to him. That's for the church. But if you're not in the church, God has a word for you. Amen. And that is judgment is coming. Amen. And you don't have to suffer judgment. Jesus paid for your judgment. Amen. He took care of your judgment. But you're going to pay for it yourself if you do not take his sacrifice. Mm. So God has given you a choice and he's not winking at you anymore. People are dying by the thousands every single day. Jesus. And who knows, you might be next. But when you close your eyes in this life, you're not going to have another chance. So the Bible says now, today is the day to come to God, mm. surrender, give up, quit fighting him. Yes. He loves you. And he's pulling for you. He wants you to experience what I've experienced, what so many millions of other people have Amen. experienced. Yes. It's real. It's real. It and God wants you to have that. All you have to do is give up, quit fighting. Yes. Surrender your life to him and receive his gift of eternal life. Amen. Brother Easter, would you just close us out tonight in prayer? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for your incredible grace. Yes. We don't deserve it, Lord. Every one of us falls short of your glory. But, God, you love us so very much. Yes, Lord. God, that the blood of Jesus was shed for us. He sacrificed his life for us. That if we would only believe and obey, that we all could receive eternal life. And I pray, Father, that... You would reach out to these individuals that yes, need you right Lord. now, that don't know you. Take the blinders off their eyes. Yes. Move back the, the barriers that the enemy has have put around them yes. and open their understanding. Help them to recognize there is something greater than what they've experienced, and it's you, Lord. Yes. Help them to feel you calling them and pulling them right now. Help them to know you are drawing them. Give them a spirit of obedience. Yes, Lord. Give them a spirit of humility to say yes to your will, to say yes finally to your ways. Yes. That they may know the joy of salvation the way we know it. And this we pray, Almighty God, in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Wow, Amen. Brother Easter, that's so powerful. We can't thank you enough. What a tremendous word. Thank you for sharing your testimony. We love you and Sister Easter and your awesome family. And we can't wait till you're back down here at East Wind Pentecostal, and we're going to have a great revival. And I know we had you scheduled to be here on uh, the 1st of May, the Mother's Day, but we'll get you down here soon. I know that's going to be impossible, but we sure do love you and appreciate you. And for all of you that are watching, I want to remind you, tomorrow night we're going to continue at 7 o'clock as we start our e-witness revival with all of these different guests. We're going to be talking with Brother Jeff Arnold, one of the great preachers and speakers of the 21st century are going to really enjoy that. That's tomorrow night, Monday night, and then Tuesday night. I want you to really plan on uh, tuning in to the testimony you're going to hear by evangelist Nick Mahaney. 
it's a powerful testimony of a of a, of a young man whose father was a, a very renowned evangelist and he's going to give a very personal testimony with details and it's very powerful you're going to be blessed by that wednesday night we're going to be joined by uh, brother joel urshan and his brother nathan urshan you're going to be blessed by that all week we've got different uh, individual that's going to be talking about their testimonies and sharing and it's going to be a great week and uh, i just encourage you to bring your family around and make it a part of each day uh, to just have these uh, spiritual testimonies and to have this type of insight into all of us as we walk with God and as we strive to get closer with God through this crisis. So may the Lord bless you, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow night. In Jesus' name.